Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your book. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, Vice President of the Author Incubator, Jen McRobbie. Well, hello everyone. March 30th. Welcome to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. Every week on Book Journeys Radio, we speak to accomplished authors who've gone from just having an idea for a book to actually having a finished book and out making a difference in the world. Our goal for this show is for you to walk away inspired and motivated, and today's author is so inspiring and motivating that I cannot wait to introduce you to her. Her name is Cheryl Ale, and she's the founding director of RPM, which stands for Revolutionary Principles of Movement. Cheryl's book is titled The Spark, The Legacy That Changed the Dance World. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Oh, thank you, Jen, for having me. This is very exciting. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Cheryl and I got to meet in person, oh gosh, what was it, like two months ago, right, Cheryl? Yeah, it seems like forever ago, yeah. It does, it does. But Cheryl is, I I don't know how all that time went by. I know, right? (laughs) Well, Cheryl is just as engaging and beautiful in person as her photo that you're probably looking at now if you're watching us live. So you are in for a treat. Now, oh, Cheryl, I, I usually <laughs> now Cheryl, I usually I, begin I by <laughs> by asking our authors, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your book and who it's for? Well, my book is for uh, dancers and teachers, once dance professional dancers or dancers and teachers, and it is to. Uh, embody the physics and the energetic uh, motivations for classical ballet, essentially. That's what it is. This training has been been around uh, for 60 years. So I have evolved this a bit. So, uh, you know, I just got back from a tour, my tour de force, of uh, driving from here, Maryland, to South Florida and visiting studios along the way. So that was quite eye-opening. Yeah, it's exciting, a bit butt-breaking, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, that's like 800 miles later. (laughs) (laughs) But, But it was fun, and it was a journey, and more of an adventure, and um, awakening all of these students and teachers along the way was thrilling, really. Really, that's, that's why I've written my book, was for these teachers and dancers who really have benefited from, from understanding the principles and how to engage in those. So, so are the principles not usually taught? Are, are they something that, that a dancer sort of learns in the lifetime of being a dancer, or um, are only some teachers kind of teaching these principles? said this started 60 years ago, you know, and I thought, wow, 60 years ago, everyone's going to know this before I wrote my <laughs> book. 
Right. <laughs> really. And, and, you know, the point of writing it was I, I had this whole vision with my project of, oh, well, it's well known with David Howard and Harkness Ballet and Joanna Nealon and Ruth Petrunovic, which was like this sweeping idea historically that I thought the whole dance world knew about this, which wasn't true. And as oh. far as your question, the principles, I was not seeing those anywhere. In fact, it felt as though in classical ballet that dance had regressed in that regard, that it was more physical than ever, and no one was using the physics and the energetic intelligence, the kinesthetic intelligence that this work embodies. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and there's just so many injuries across America, young children's breaking their backs, snapping their tendons. Oh. And all, all of that indicates is that the teachers aren't really understanding how to apply the principles of movement. I see. So there's actually a – you're seeing a physical problem in students who aren't aware of the, these principles of mu- movement. Exactly. Um, the, the physical part that most teachers are dealing with, which I discovered um, – very deeply after starting to write my book and interviewing teachers to clearly understand what they were dealing with, with different body types, different levels of students, and them being very frustrated and not understanding why they couldn't get them to move their very different bodies. Not everyone in in America is chosen for their talent. In America, (laughs) everyone gets yeah, everyone gets to dance, right? It's America. Right. So so you've got all these different body types, and the parents bring their, their children because they want them to be graceful or coordinated, or they want them to be on, I think you can dance, or you think I can dance, or one day maybe I'll dance. <laughs> that should be the name of the show. <laughs> yes, maybe one day I'll dance. I like that. <laughs> maybe one day I'll dance. That's more, you know, realistic. <laughs> But the truth of it is they see all that, and that's what they want to do right away. And these teachers don't know how to teach all these different body types. And it's so important for them to understand how to supersede their limitations in a safe way, kinesthetically, anatomically. Teachers aren't getting all of that in the styles that they're teaching. So. So this is also what's integrated and interlaced in in all the bodies of work of the classical ballet world. So this is uh, what this is. It's it's complicated. Let me just say that much. It is complicated, but it sounds so necessary. And I love that it really is a message of inclusion. Like everyone can and should be able to dance as long as they are taught to do so using the body that we were given when we were born. Exactly. You know, one of the most amazing things that I came in contact with was I went to the the Arts Conservatory of Dance in Tallahassee with Amy Lowe, and her students were just lovely, you know, a mix levels and different body types. And it was interesting because as I worked with them and you step into their circumference of energy and what, what, I, what I actually reach in and do, it's almost waking up your chi. 
right? Ah. And these, these children, when you reach in, and they're standing there just so neutral, and when you do this and they know and feel exactly what they need to feel, it's as if all the lights go on. It was so exciting. <sighs> wow. This awakening of their chi. And every student giggled when I would do this. I have the videos. <laughs> I, I'll post those. I'll post those on, you know, my uh, RPM page and my Cheryl Ale page because extraordinarily delightful to see this happen. Really what it is, just as you said, everyone, every child has, every body has the ability to move and to dance. And right. it's like, it, it's like the internet connection that we all are together. I, I like Ugh. to say we all own this domain, you know, and we all have this <laughs> URL. We don't have to go to GoDaddy, you know, to go get it. It is, <laughs> this is, this is ours. Yeah, we have our own incredible website right here. And we have all the powers that be. It's just that you have to have a teacher that understands how to awaken all of those. And there's, there's about seven principles that, that you put into play here. And no, they're not in classical ballet. They're not, it's not oh. taught uh, like this, you know, divided out into being physics and energy and energy patterns because, you know, it's, it's a little woo-woo. It's a little woo-woo <laughs> for the dance world. They're like, well, what do you mean patterns of energy? This all began uh, with, with a woman in the 60s who actually caught frame by frame by frame of the greatest dancers in the world and how they were dancing. And when she would see their motivation, she was saying, wait a minute, they're not teaching the motivation, they're teaching the step. And when you do that, that deadens the motivation. So the motivation meaning like a backward circle before you jump or before you hit a tennis ball or the backward circle when you're riding a horse or you're swinging a golf club. It's that same, the patterns that you, I know you've seen, Jess. Yes. It's fascinating, but I'd never... I'd never put it together. I don't think that it's sort of a precursor to movement, right? It's just something that I do when I move. (laughs) Right. Like when you get up out of a chair, Jen, if I said get up out of the chair, you would maybe because I told you to stand up, you know, laboriously. But if I clap my hands and I said, Jen, get up out of the chair, do you know what you would do before you got up? You would actually release all the air in your body to to stand up. But you see, people, oh. yeah, it's a given. So the breath, the breath of the body is the piece of the motivation that comes before the movement. Oh, wow. So what a powerful yeah. thing to master, uh, particularly as a dancer. Oh, it is. And it takes you across the lifetime. I mean, I learned this when I was six years old and, you know, <laughs> still as uh, old age of 28, I'm going to lie, you know. But, um, <laughs> you don't look a day over 27, Cheryl. Uh, uh, oh, thanks, doll. I'll stay on this radio show forever with those kinds of compliments. <laughs> but they'll cut us off anyway. <laughs> exactly. They'll cut us off. We don't get that, cho- that <laughs> choice, but we'll try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, Cheryl, yeah. you could have 
basically traveled the world teaching this to people. So why did you decide to write a book on it? Well, you know, I touched on this in the beginning of our conversation is because, you know what, I realized that this had had gathered dust over the years and it was sort of forgotten or the amalgamation of all the styles of dance up to this point. Um, People thought, oh, well, this is evolution and we don't need these principles or they were just totally forgotten. And I felt like this was a legacy that needed to be, be to be brought forward again. And the only mm. way I could do that was to take this body of work and, and tell the story and tell the life experience of it, which, you know, I have to say that the guidance, you know, with Author Incubator and Angela really helped me to self-reflect on the reason I would share these triumphs and the failures with with humanity again. I mean, I feel like um, everything that I've experienced in this lifetime, in the center of it was the training that I had had when I was six years old to professional dancer. And I felt like if I can put this in a meaningful book, then I can speak to the pain and suffering that I know so many dancers, now teachers, have experienced, and they would more readily accept what this is, where it came from, and how it can improve the li- their, their lives as teachers and, and produce wonderful dancers. So, you know, and so, you know what, it happened that way. Uh, It's almost like how could you not have written a book, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, but, you know, I brought it together because the aha, the dance world right now is thrilling for me that they're all like, oh, yeah, that's right. And they all (laughs) are getting (laughs) So I've had a nice audience. There was, you know, my teacher said, well, this is based on my teacher's training at 86 years old. And, oh, here's my contact list and all that. Well, she might as well have handed me a, you know, blank sheet because most of these people either had moved on or forgotten about it and moved on to oh. another style. Right. But, yeah, so so that's the reason I've written it, and I'm thrilled to uh, give the testimony of, you know, without Author Incubator, I wouldn't have gotten it out in the world like this and be at the forefront right now of the dance world. People are waiting for their hard copies oh. from the publisher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, gives, it gives me goosebumps. It's crazy, isn't it, Cheryl? It is crazy. But, you know, Jen, when you do things in life and you do them for all the right reasons, yes. somehow it makes its way through, you know, yes. way through all the other all the other negative struggles that happen in your life if you're there for the if the, if it's purposeful it somehow makes its way through any cloudy day you know what i'm saying it just <laughs> stays in the flow yeah well speaking of being in the flow since you are so passionate about this topic and you love it so much did you find it easy to write the book or did you experience writer's block well you know 
yeah, there were days, especially in the beginning where I was like, oh, Angela talked about, well, there's, you know, usually 20,000 words in a book of, you know, a basic book, just 20,000. Right. To, to think of 20,000 words on a page was, <laughs> was counting. And so, <laughs> some things I was like, okay, I'm at 300 words. And then there were other days where I uh where where I thought, okay, so I've written two pages, and then all of a sudden you realize that it's you that's stopping you in this life, and the yeah, it is you. It's kind of freaky. Yet all of a sudden you're like, why do you keep stopping yourself? Then I had this amazing editor who said to me, Maggie McReynolds, who said, <laughs> you know, Cheryl, you've gotten into three chapters and all you need to do now is just like the artist Jackson Pollock. It's like the dots on a page just start throwing down the words and it will make a story. It will create art. It will all be there. So she Uh. sort of just like opened the cage for me. And so, you know, I just started and I, I, I wrote six chapters, six chapters in like, Three days. Wow. And, and not that any of it made sense, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, but it did. It, it actually got moved around and yes, this is the idea and this is where this goes and that goes and the expertise there yes. freed right. me up. But me doing it on my own, it would have been, you know, it, it wouldn't have ever gotten done. It had been in a journal in my nightstand, you know, next to my bed or something like that. Right. It wouldn't be out in the world making a difference, right? No, it wouldn't be out in the world making a difference and speaking directly to the, my teachers and dancers who are suffering with so many ills. And that was another piece of it that I realized I didn't really ever interview people before I started my company, thinking, oh, it's just one sweeping, they're this and they need that. Well, not true. And so each school and each teacher had their their problems. And speaking to those problems and bringing together community in the dance world was, was extremely, is extremely important for us now. Because of dance being divided, yes. Yeah. Community anywhere right now, you know. I mean, right. We won't go there. We won't go. We won't even say the T word, but we will. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you're right. I mean, in any way you look at it right now, what societally we're all kind of lacking, and it sounds like this is true in the dance world and everywhere else, is community and bonding with each other. And exactly. I love this message of inclusion and remembering what we once knew. Yeah. Right? Like I'm assuming that, you know, given that breath is the focus of, of dance and movement that mm-hmm. we all sort of knew that at one point. Right. And then we somehow forgot it. Well, I think what has happened is a, in the beginnings, and I said this before in the 1800s, you know, it was a thought with the French king in court doing a little step pot, step tap, you know, 
step, step, step in in the right. French courts as began, and then it just became these sort of ethereal fluffs around the stage, and the the, the ballets were were uh, created with the orchestra, with with the composers. So there was feeling, and it was all very um, intentional in that regard. Now, as dance has evolved, it's the, there's different schools of thought that, like the French school and the the Royal Academy of Dance school and the Vaganova, the Russian school, and Chiquetti, the Italian school. Now you have all these schools of thought and styles of ballet, and you would think that people would be moving a lot better. I, I'm happy to say the Russians are doing really well with this because Wonderful. the Vaganova is all about that continuous flow and movement and breath of the body is directly from Vaganova. The, uh, the, the thing that doesn't work here with the Russians here, it's great in Russia, but here Russia, the Russia picks the perfect body to depict the type of technique that they do. So they have uh, legs that go up past their head. They've got all this, <laughs> crazy, I call it Cirque de Ballet, kind of almost grotesque. It's so beautiful. But, you know, every child that walks into an American studio, we, we yes. don't test them to say, oh, well, can your leg go over your head? And can you do a split? <laughs> and can you, we don't do that here. Yet the Russians are coming in and they're doing that to our American dancers and twisting their knees and twisting their ankles and ah. twisting their hips. And the back and the Cubans are doing the same thing. I'm not dividing in that regard. I don't mean racially. I mean no, no, of course. They are used to having certain body types to work with, and the American oh, that's body. Fascinating. Yeah, the American body is. You know, you're American. Okay, so you're you're smaller, you're taller, you're shorter, you're heavier, you're stiffer, you're you know. But we work with that. And the teachers here have to understand how to adjust these bodies. Mm. So, um, so all these years, yes, it has existed in the talented dancer, these principles. We, right. I know how to teach these principles to a child that has nothing, and you can give them everything. Will they be a professional dancer? Time will only tell. We have seen dancers more from having nothing to being the most fabulous dancer you could ever imagine. And what does that come from? That comes from their intelligence, their multidimensional intelligence. Once you give them a chance, there's like a morphing that goes on. There's another freaky word, morphing. (laughs) But we've seen it. I, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine the, the difference that it's making. Yeah. Yeah, it it is making a difference and it has over all of these years. I started out with with a very bad disability, um, and a bowed leg and and with all of that, these principles brought everything together and I knew no nothing different and pursued an incredible career in uh. classical ballet musical theater, you know, on to acting, on to stand-up comedy comedy with you, Jen. uh, (laughs) Exactly. And now here we are on the radio. (laughs) 
And now here we are, ready to get cut off any minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a few more minutes, luckily. That's okay. good. Okay. So okay. what is the best thing that's come out of having written and published your book? You know what? I think the best thing is this supportive, loving community that of my friends and my family. Aww. And the best of all is the dance world is being acknowledged, the yeah. teachers and the, the contributions to humanity as dancers, as teachers being known for their lifetimes of dedication. Because that's a big deal. What This is based on what my teacher did, but but the, the myriad of teachers and and multitudes of teachers that do this every day and bring pure joy as an art of ballet to the hearts and minds of our children. There's no yes. better contribution than that. That the true purpose of what I've done, that fills me. I lay in bed and I'm smiling at night and, you know, thanking my muses for giving me this purpose because it's very enlightening in so many ways. It, it, I am covered in goosebumps and I'm grinning ear to ear because I just love, I love how filled with purpose you are, Cheryl, and how I think you're a wonderful example of how you can serve other people and serve the world and become so full of that service yourself that you almost don't need anything else, Right. Yeah, I rush around every day, and even this morning, I thought about just that, Jen, being of service, because when I started my company, I wasn't in this this, uh, mindset of service, but now, you know, I wake up every day, and I'm, like, watch myself rushing around, and I'm thinking, what are you rushing to? What are you (laughs) rushing to? I'm rushing to get to the work every day. I was so excited to be asked to be on this show, and I was incredibly waking up at 3 in the morning thinking about it, (laughs) just excited to communicate. I said, you know, and I'm like, what is, are you just nervous? No, it's called purpose, Sherry. It's called your purpose in life. It's a beautiful thing. And th- there might be a fine line between purpose and crazy to some people, but I see your purpose. I feel your purpose, Cheryl. <laughs> Am I sounding crazy, Jen? <laughs> uh, not to me, but but I think, okay. you know, you were just saying, you know, waking up at 3 in the morning, I think a lot of people would consider that um, not a benefit, but I love how you lean into it and and you understand that, you know your message is is important and bigger than you, and that getting it out in the world is the goal yeah i mean i I really didn't you know the whole publishing a book and you know what I expected and this is this process has been exhilarating <sighs> and Yay. you know the other piece of it is termination and stamina that this has created for me because I thought this was long gone for me. The process, you know, really demands this. It's a tremendous amount of stamina. But then once you're there, you are disciplined and decisive, which was really, really blew my mind. And the fact that I never thought 
I was capable intellectually, which I would like to say any to anyone out there that's considering writing a book and, well, am I smart enough or, you know, or emotional or how do I put all of this into this? But, you know, the author incubator and Angela Laria and yourself, <clears throat> with the kind of support you gave us, it it was it was just a no-brainer, which which is a beautiful thing. No-brainer it has a new meaning now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no negative yeah. connotation to that that phrase, no-brainer, no. right? Brainer, right? <laughs> well, it was our. Yes. I can honestly say, and I know I can answer on behalf of everyone at the company, that it was our pleasure to help you bring this message, you know, to the dance world and, and to the world at large. And, and it's true, we feel that way about all of our authors, because um, when you truly touch that purpose, um, there's nothing more beautiful yeah. than, than watching that unfold. Yeah, the, the whole surprise is amazing to me. It <laughs> Well, Cheryl, I'm sad to say we're at our t- at the end of our time, and we only got in half of our comedy um, oh, act for everyone no, we here. Did. We did. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't thank you enough for being on the show, and and everyone listening. Just so you know, Cheryl popped on last minute to fill a spot that opened up. So she not only is amazing, but she basically saved the day for us so i can't tell you thank you enough oh it's my pleasure really i mean i can <laughs> well thank you for another hour. yeah thank you Love well find you. cheryl on facebook at ballet for everybody um, or ballet for everybody.com or rpmdance.com thank you so much and join us next week for another episode of blog talk of book journeys radio This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.